This is episode number 214, Creating Positive Direction in Your Life with Stu Massingill. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. At every moment in your life, you're making three decisions. Every single moment in your life, most of the time it's unconsciously. The three decisions you're making is number one, what are you focusing on? Number two, what's the meaning you're giving it? And number three, what's the action that results from that? Welcome, welcome, my friends. And I am so thankful that you're here and that you are a part of this awesome podcast community. I love podcasting because it is one of the best educational tools where you can learn from so many people so quickly. And listening to podcasts has brought a lot of value to my life. And being a podcaster has always encouraged me to read more, learn more, always be looking into different people and different topics. And I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. I want to let you guys in on a little secret. I am putting together a mental preparation course for stage racing, and it's going to be in conjunction with the Trans Rockies race series. So they have several different stage races, single track six, they have a Moab stage race, and they also have a gravel stage race that they just opened up for next year as well. So if you want to get free access to that, make sure that you are signed up for my newsletter at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. It's going to start being available in about a month, and I'll be notifying everybody that way where they can sign up and take the free course. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and share the show with your friends. We also really, really appreciate it whenever you leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we read every single one. So thank you. Thank you to those of you who are doing that. And also, really big thank you to those of you who are supporting my work financially on Patreon and your donations on PayPal. And you can find that on any single page of the show notes or just go to sonyalooney.com slash podcasts and you can donate there. So let's talk about this week's guest. Stu Massingill has infectious positive energy. And I should know because he had me on his podcast and I'll let you guys know when that episode comes out. But he's such an awesome guy and really fun to talk to. And it makes sense that he is so rad because he is a national trainer for Tony Robbins. And there aren't that many people who are national trainers for Tony Robbins out there. He's a podcast host of his own show, Finding Direction, and he's also a speaker. After building a massive business with his networking skills, Stu set off to travel the world only to get diagnosed with testicular cancer at the age of 24. His pursuit of personal development helped him stay positive and his ability to build connection eventually enabled him to meet his hero, Tony Robbins. And now he shares his actionable tools as a coach and helps others feel more fulfilled and passionate about finding direction in their lives. There is a lot of actionable takeaways from this episode, and that makes me really happy because listening is one thing, but taking action in your life is a whole other thing. So we talked about his attitude toward getting testicular cancer and just generally how to view challenges. We talked about his morning practice and the power of priming yourself for your day. We talked about what happens at Tony Robbins events. We talked about getting over fear in life, how to build connections, three decisions we make all the time without even knowing it. And we also talked about imposter syndrome and feeling like you're enough. 
all things that we all face probably on a weekly or daily basis. So I know some of you guys have tried sprouting and sprouts are the most nutritional thing that you could possibly eat. They have 20 to 30 times the amount of nutrients of regular vegetables. So if you're somebody that has trouble adding vegetables into your diet or your day, just start sprouting or even buy sprouts at the grocery store and just throw them in a smoothie, throw them on your food. They are amazing. And sprouting your own seeds is actually way easier than you ever could have imagined, especially whenever you use Sprout Man. Sprout Man is our podcast sponsor, and you may have heard me talk about them. And on their website, SproutMan.com, they show you how to do it, but they have 95% germination rates for their seeds, which is incredible because there's nothing more frustrating than spending time trying to grow your own food and not having it work. And it's as easy as soaking the seeds overnight and then simply rinsing them a couple times a day, twice a day for 30 seconds. And after a few days, you have a massive bag of sprouts that you can use anywhere. So go to sproutman.com slash Sonia and get started. And the easiest way to do it is to get their hemp salad bag. It's this tiny bag that hangs in your kitchen and you can get different types of seeds on their site. My personal favorite are broccoli sprouts simply because of the sulforaphane content, which is a great anti-cancer compound. So go to sproutman.com slash Sonia. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy the products. How do you feel when you open your inbox? Do you see hundreds of emails and feel stressed out that you have to wade through them? Do emails get buried whenever you are waiting for an important email and somehow you miss it? How about follow-ups? Well, Email is something that we all do, and it's a really important part of any type of business or job. I started trying out a filtering service called SaneBox, and they are freaking awesome. So they actually will go through your emails or the AI goes through your emails and it picks which emails need to go to a newsletter folder. It picks which emails can go to a later folder, which are still emails that you want to read, but they're not emails that you necessarily need to take action on immediately. And it has only the important emails in the front of your inbox. And you can also train the AI to change if, if something comes in your inbox and you think it needs to be in the newsletter category or into your later category, you can actually move it and it remembers it for next time. You can also effectively snooze emails. So if you get an email from somebody and you're not ready to take action on it, but you don't want to forget about it, instead of leaving it open in your inbox as an unread email, you can actually tell it to remind you at a certain day and time and the email gets resent to you at that time. So it's a really powerful tool and that's only a very small amount of what SaneBox can do. And they offer a two week free trial whenever you use their product. If you go to sanebox.com slash Sonia, you will get your free two week trial and you'll also get a $25 credit should you decide to keep their service going. It's definitely worth giving a try. I highly recommend it. Go to sanebox.com slash Sonia. All right, let's get into this week's awesome episode that's gonna leave you inspired and ready to take action in your life with Stu Massengill. Stu, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor. Well, I'm super stoked because I'm actually coming on your podcast pretty soon. And exactly. I think it's pretty fun to get to connect this way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to the one we recorded. It's going to help a lot of people, no doubt. Cool. So I'm really interested in your story because it's really unique. And most people 
don't think about getting cancer when they're in their 20s. <laughs> yeah. And you did. Sure. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So it was an interesting journey, kind of how it happened. I'll kind of just go through. I don't know if you want to cut me off at any point, just cut me off. So like, I am 27 years old now. And when I was 23 years old, I kind of had a point in my life that I was just lost, stuck, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And just like, yeah, just felt really in a lost place. And so I took the route like some people do of, I'm going to go travel and I'm going to find myself through travel. And so I went to Bali for three weeks. And then my plan was to go to New Zealand for seven months because it's the action sports capital of the world. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. And so I was like, I'll go live there for seven months and I'll fully embrace this and uh, see if this is you know, what I want to do and I can just learn and have a good time as well. And so two or three days into that trip, I noticed there was something not right with my body, basically. For any of the men that are listening, just check yourself downstairs is what I would say. And I noticed that it basically just wasn't normal. And so I had to go to the hospital, but they were closed. So I woke up the next day and had a skydiving appointment scheduled. So obviously I went skydiving. And then after that, uh, went to the hospital, went through probably like two days of tests. And then that's kind of when they sat me down and had the like, classic movie scene where they're like, all right, like come in this room, sit down. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, there's something that's going on. It could be cancerous. It could be benign. But like we suggest you get the next plane home and you see a doctor and you like you figure out what's going on. So long story short, I flew home probably within 48 hours, saw my doctor and they again were like, yep, this is testicular cancer. And they basically started explaining to me the different ways this could go. And I was fortunate enough, I had a doctor who, and maybe a lot of cancer doctors are trained this way, but he was like, you're going to be fine. Like, don't worry, you'll be good. And one thing that was really interesting for me that I think massively helped me throughout the journey of recovering from cancer, because now I'm cancer free and everything's good there, which is fortunate I'm very grateful for, is as soon as I got cancer, as soon as I found out I had cancer, one of the biggest things that I noticed is I'm innately a extraordinarily positive person, like extremely positive. I say I'm allergic to negativity because I just love positivity. And what happened is when I found out I got cancer, it didn't turn me that much. But what I noticed was the people around me, it affected more than it affected me. Like I was in the room when I found out I got cancer with my mom and my dad, and my doctor. And like, if you're a parent, and you hear your kid has cancer, like, I can't even imagine what happens to your heart at that moment. You're like, oh my God, like, this is my baby. And so what I had to do, and this kind of became a theme that truly helped me get through the cancer, was I just looked at my parents and I was like, don't treat me any differently. Don't talk to me any differently. Don't pretend like I have something that can kill me. Because if you treat me any differently and you plant the seed in my brain that someday I could die from this, then there's the possibility of it coming true. But if you just treat me like, oh, everything's normal, this is all good, this is just another part of your story that we'll get through, then that's exactly what it's going to be. And so they did that. Then I ended up getting home later that day. My brother looks at me, and this is probably the most terrifying point, is he was sitting in a chair. I walked into our living room. He turns around and he goes, holy crap, Like you have cancer. And he gave me a hug. And what it sounded like to me that he said was, holy crap, Like you're, you might die. Like You could die here. 
And it didn't feel good. It was scary that he said that. And then I just had that exact conversation with him. I said, don't treat me any differently. Don't talk to me any differently. Same conversation. If you do, there's a seed. We don't want that. This is just part of the story. We'll get through it. And I told that to everyone that was around me. And it honestly made going through the process with a couple other things that I did just not as difficult of a process as I think that sometimes cancer can be for a lot of people, which is fortunate. So, I mean, it was a, a process, but you know, again, it was, it was part of my story and it's, uh, yeah, just a part of my story. How much positivity do you think is nature versus nurture? Because you said you've always been a really positive person and <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way, but I do think that it can be trained. So like what percentage do you think that is and how can people learn how to be more positive? Because some people will hear, like some people hear, I have the cold and they, I have a cold and they think they're going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think in my situation, I was fortunate to have a lot of it be kind of innately in my subconscious. I grew up, my mom's a coach, so that kind of will say a good amount. And so I grew up kind of being primed with positive messaging. And then probably when I was 19 years old, that's when I sort of, instead of someone just poking me with like, hey, this can be a good thought, that can be a good thing. This is a better way to think than that. For the first time when I was 19, Consciously, I dove into that world of growing my awareness of, oh, there's a positive, there's a negative. I can feel good. I can feel bad. When something happens, I can either react to it or I can choose how I want to process this, right? And so sort of what I would say is for you know maybe someone that's not as positive that wants to be more positive, there's a lot of things that you can do. One thing that I do every single day, I massively encourage people to do it, is every morning when I wake up, I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for but I write down five of them that are currently in my life. And then I write down five things that are not in my life, but I write it in the present tense as if they are already in my life. Because that's a way to sort of trick your brain in a sense to start, I don't want to get all woozy woozy or whatever, but uh, to start like literally attracting it into your life. And so like, I would say that's one thing you can do to practice positivity is practice gratitude. And another simple exercise, and you could combine these if you want, and I combine these in my morning, it takes, I don't know, seven minutes, is one, write down 10 things you're grateful for. And then second, just spend two or three minutes closing your eyes and literally just imagine as if your head was a file cabinet and then taking out from that file cabinet as, with your eyes closed, visualizing it, taking out any negative thoughts, any things that do not serve you. And then imagine grabbing from somewhere in the universe, these positive thoughts that you do want in your brain, and then just putting them in your file. And then as you do that, day after day, week after week, month after month, you eventually recondition the way you think. It's not going to be something that takes a day, a week, a month, right? It may take several months, but you want to ask yourself, and maybe this will push you into taking the exercise seriously, is you want to push yourself into, what is your life going to look like if you remain that negative person? Or like, what's the pain that could come from that? What are the things that it's going to affect in your life if you don't pick up more of a positive outlook on life? And then how would your life benefit if you did pick up some of these new habits? And so I think as you dive into those, that maybe will give you a little bit of leverage on yourself to actually execute on it. That's a really great visualization that I had never heard of before. And visualization, yeah. especially in sports, is huge such, such an important thing but i think talking about visualization in our daily life of visualizing the things that we want isn't this airy fairy thing it actually it actually works really really well and 
It totally. sends us, we get to choose the path we want to go down. And if we're visualizing all the bad things that are going to happen or that could happen, then you're going to miss out. You're not going to be able to see the other things because you're too busy staring at the thing that you don't want to happen. Exactly. And one thing that's crazy, I was, I forget where I heard this the other day, but it's like, some people are like, oh, visualizing doesn't work, whatever this, that. What's crazy is like, you are always visualizing. You've always been visualizing your entire life. Just most of the time, we are not cognitively aware that we are visualizing, right? Like in somewhere in our head, we're thinking, oh, in five years, two years, like maybe it's a blurry picture. So then in two years, your life's probably going to be blurry, right? Maybe in two years, you've been unconsciously visualizing your life as working at this job you don't really want to work at. Like we are always visualizing. It's just a matter of if you're going to use that as a superpower for yourself and as something that can increase the quality of your life or if something you're just going to unconsciously let affect your life. Now, what about visualization when it comes to big dreams? Because a lot of times people think, oh, it'd be cool to have or do X, Y, Z, but I can't ever do that. Or that's just not possible for me because they have a glass ceiling that they've built over their head and they are unable to see that. So how can people break out of that pattern of like building a ceiling over their head and saying, I can't do that? Like, how do people get out of their own way when they say, I can't do that? I would say one of the most powerful ways that you can get out of it is association, is who are you surrounding yourself with? Like, are you around three, four, five other people that you're like, oh, yeah, that'll never happen. And they're like, yeah, no way. Or like, you're talking about like, oh, man, it's crazy. Those people on those TV shows do that. Like, too bad we're from XYZ and that's not going to happen for us. Right. It's like if you're surrounding yourself with people that are having conversations like that, then you're going to think that way. Now, if you want to change your association, there's two ways you could go about it. One is just like, who's someone positive, you know, that you could maybe surround yourself with more, right? Maybe someone that's a dreamer, someone that is thinking bigger. And another way you could do it, which is probably the easiest way is through something like YouTube, right? Like you can build an association of people like Jim Rohn, right? Like go on YouTube and type in Jim Rohn, learn from him, see the way he thinks, see the way he processes things in the world. Look at people like Tony Robbins or Bob Proctor, right? And go look at the way they think and the way they process things. And that's going to allow you to start to shift the way that you think. But I would say one of the most powerful ways to shift that is to change the people you're associating yourself with. Because if you're around people that are having those same thoughts, that's just going to continue in your life. I love that. And that's also why I love podcasts is because the things yeah. that you choose to focus on, the news channels you watch, the magazines you read, the books you read, the people you listen to, those are all voices that are coming in your head every single second of every single day. And that's really helped me in my life overcome barriers is I listen to podcasts or I read books of people that I want to be like. And then yeah. I try and see what they did. And then I try to see myself in them. And I say, well, if they can do it, I can do it too. And there's lots of really great people out there that are empowering like that. And people that don't do that, like there's people that we look up to, but they actually don't include you. And they like to have a hero worshiping place. And those aren't really good people to follow because they don't empower you to feel like you can do it too. They just want you to worship them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned Tony Robbins, your national level trainer with Tony. How did that all yeah. come about? Because most people have heard of Tony Robbins. This is kind of funny, actually. But the first time I had heard of Tony Robbins was actually in, when I saw Shallow Hal because he's in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked in, I was like, wow, yeah, Tony Robbins sure. is, is actually really awesome. And this is amazing. How did that come about? <laughs> 
so my first sort of introduction to Tony was probably eight years ago. And kind of in the conversation that we just had of association, I didn't meet Tony eight years ago. For me, you know, I was getting into personal development. I was learning how to change the way I think. And just through going in a rabbit hole on YouTube, I stumbled across Tony Robbins and was like, watched a couple of videos, was like, this dude's like profound. And so eventually, one of my things that I enjoy doing is like immersing in live events, right? Depending on when this comes out, if we're in Corona or not, live events look a little different now, but is an immersing. And so long story short, I went to one of Tony's events and it massively changed my life, like in a huge way. I had sort of these past stories from growing up that I let build an identity of who I believed I was. And I was basically able to like reshift those in my life, which was huge. And so I had that experience with Tony. And then basically every time something significant happened in my life, it was because I was at a Tony event. Like when I had some stuff with the cancer stuff, I was at a Tony event that kind of brought that to a healing. And then another significant part of my life, again, I was with Tony. And so long story short, I believe one of the things in life that can get you to be where you want to be quicker is if you adopt a concept called modeling right? Like I'm sure in mountain biking, it's like a concept, maybe a lot of people practice. It's like, well, what does the best person in mountain biking do? And how do they do it? Right? How do they go off that jump? How do they land? How do they flip that way? And you look and you study the person that's the best. And if you study the person that's best, then you can start to adopt the way they act, the way they think, the way they move in life and the way they operate. And ultimately, if you do what they do, you're going to get what they got. And so for me, ultimately, I found out, all right, Tony, in my eyes, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time, right? He's impacted so many lives in the world. He's created such a profound effect that I was like, Tony's the person I want to model. And so then I went through this entire process of, basically, I believe that through effective communication and networking, you can open any door of opportunity. That if you're looking to get hooked up with a job, if you're looking to switch a career, like doing a job application is the worst way that you can get that job. Like my belief is that it's all through meeting the right people. And then if you meet the right people, you communicate effectively, you can open that door and in turn start doing what you actually want to do. And so I knew someone, long story short, who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone in Tony Robbins. And that person introduced me to the person that ultimately brought me into the company. And so now, yeah, I'm a trainer with Tony Robbins. We pre-COVID traveled 340 days a year with Tony. Now that COVID's here, we're doing everything virtual, but it's been amazing to be able to work with someone like Tony who's impacted my life in a huge way. So what happens at these Tony Robbins events? Because I see like the Netflix series, but then I hear people like you that go to these events and I hear about walking through fire and all these like crazy things that happen. What's going on there? Yeah, so basically Tony has a concept in his teachings well, has many concepts, but one of them is total immersion, where, for example, you could do a program, let's say, one hour a week over the course of a year, 52 weeks, take two weeks off, and you have 50 hours, right? And you're going to learn a little bit from that, and you're going to pick up some things. But what Tony believes is, what if we took those 50 hours and we packed it into three and a half days? So it's 12 to 14, sometimes 16-hour days, and you are just pushing yourself so much emotionally, there's a lot of energy. It's it's honestly an easy way to explain it would be it's basically like a rock concert for personal development, right? That's 12 to 14 hours a day. And so with all the emotion 
that gets stirred in these events. And with all of the immersion from it, you can actually go extremely deep. And so, you know, one of the things for me is I think there, sometimes I look at it as it's the best thing that I ever get to do is go to these events, but it's also the most intense thing sometimes because you do go deep within yourself. But truthfully, what we do sometimes as humans is the things that have caused us pain in our life, we push them so deep into our unconscious mind that we don't want to bring them up. So it takes a lot of work to actually get down into that. But when we get into that and we can heal that, that's when you can have profound transformations in your life. And so that's sort of a combination of what Tony's events are. And like you said, yeah, at one of his events, you do walk on 2,500 degree coals barefoot for 15 feet. And that's just a simple, another concept Tony teaches of that you can really push yourself so much further than you believe. And, you know, you work on a lot of those things. So Tony has a massive amount of different events you can go to, but I think they're just profound because you're fully immersed. And for most people, when was the last time you took three and a half days to just work on you? Like most people, maybe never, right? Maybe never you, you haven't ever taken three and a half days to just say, Hey, let's take an inventory on myself. Let's see what I want to keep, what I don't want to keep, and then let's move forward in a more positive direction in my life. And so, yeah, I mean, they they are profound. What do you have to say to the people who might be a little bit skeptical? Because some people, I mean, like you and I, we would be like, oh, this is awesome. Like, we're going to go to this. We're going to like talk. We're going to go deep in our feelings and, you know, we're going to be honest with ourselves and vulnerable. But like some people can't do that or they they can do that. They choose not to or it's really hard to do that or they've never done it. Or maybe they think like, this is dumb. I, I, I'm not going to be able to like get swept away with this energy. Does the, yeah. does the event just self-select and those people just don't sign up? Or do those people actually sign up and then figure out a way to kind of get around themselves? Yeah. So we get all types of people that come to the events. And I would say the biggest thing for someone that's like skeptical or whatever the word you put on it is until you've experienced something yourself, you can't truly judge something. And this is something I teach a lot of people with the work I do with finding direction is like, whether it's with the Tony event, whether it's figuring out what you want to do with your life. So many times as humans, we make prejudgments, right? And a simple example that I give people is let's go back to when you found out you loved pizza. Like when you found out you, maybe someone's like, I don't love pizza, but you like pizza. Most people like pizza. If it's not pizza, take ice cream or another favorite food you have, right? So we'll use pizza as an example, but it's like when you found out you liked pizza, Did you have the pizza in front of you? You looked at it, you smelled it. You're like, oh, that smells good. It looks good. You kind of like, you know, just stared at it. And then you were like, yeah, I like pizza. Like, is that how you found out you like pizza? Or did you try a slice? And then you tried a slice and you're like, holy crap, like pizza's delicious. I'm going to eat this probably for the rest of my life. Like you actually tried it. And so I think so many times in life when people are trying to get guidance and get direction on what they want to do with their life, they'll look at like, let's say, for example, mountain biking, right? Like so many people could look at that from the outside and go, oh, well, like, maybe I'll like it, maybe not. Like, honestly, though, I could get pretty hurt. And and then if I do it, I'm going to have to commit to it. So I'm just not going to try it. And then they look at, oh, well, the other career I could take is something in marketing. And they're like, uh, but marketing is like behind a desk and you're not as people. And and they pre- they just keep prejudging everything and they never actually take a step to get to where they want to be in their life. And my whole philosophy is just try the dang thing. And if you don't like it, well, then cool. Then just put that on the shelf, try something else, 
And with every time you do something you don't like, you're going to get more clarity on what you do like. And so the same goes for Tony events. If you're skeptical or whatever, I would just say, just go to an event. We have literally 100% money back guarantee. So you could try it if you're like, yep, this was everything I thought it would be. This is not the most profound thing I've ever done in my life. We will give you all your money back. You go to the first day and a half. If it was not profound, we give you all your money back. So like the worst that happens is you get a day of self-love and you get a little bit of something out of it and it's free. Um, But I would say the biggest thing is like in life, you just got to try things and that's how you are truly going to figure out if you like them or not, not based off someone else's opinion. And then people listening, they might be like, well, Stu, yeah, I get that I should try the thing, whatever the thing is that they are after, they're interested in or they're curious about, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to face myself. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid that I'm going to look stupid. Like, I'm afraid to tell people I'm going to do this thing. Like, how do you get over that fear? Yeah, I would say one of the most powerful things with fear is you can choose to point it in the direction that you want. Now, sometimes if we have fear in our life, we come to this point where we go, oh my God, there, we get so caught up in the situation that it's sometimes hard to pull ourselves back for it. So what I would say is if you have fear, you want to start to ask yourself, well, what is my fear ultimately of? Right. And maybe for some people, it's the fear of failing. Right. Like they're like, maybe I'll try this thing and I'm going to fail and I'm going to look like an idiot. And then that's awful. Like I can't look like an idiot. Right. I absolutely can't do that. What I would suggest is what's another way you can point the fear in. Right. So for someone that says, oh, my fear is trying something and failing. Well, let's look at the inverse of that. Now, if you don't try, right, doesn't that guarantee that you're going to fail, right? So maybe you're trying to figure out your life and you're scared that if you try something, you're going to fail it and you're not going to have a better place that you're at. But what we could also look at is, well, if you never actually try, if you never go through these processes, if you never take these actions that you want to take in your life that fear is ultimately stopping you from taking, if you never do those, well, then what does your life look like? And if you can kind of go down that path of what would my life look like if I never did any of these and I was just so crippled by fear, then what does my life look like? And what you can start to do if you dig enough into this exercise is you can build fear now and holy crap, I need to do this because if I don't do this, I'm guaranteeing failure and right? I'm guaranteeing that I'm not going to get where I want to be in my life. And I would just say you want to find a different way to point that fear. And then another simple practice that you can use and this this changed my life is you want to understand first and foremost why is fear there like why is fear there of whatever you're doing and if you really break it down the fear is there because it's your mind going well i want to protect you i want to make sure you're safe i want to make sure you don't get hurt right that's like our caveman brain right that's saying if you don't try at least you're going to be safe you'll be in this place you know and you're going to be okay so first and foremost you want to realize the fear shows up because you, your mind just wants to protect you. So what you want to do first and foremost is thank that part of your brain. Thank that part of your mind. Say, thank you so much for protecting me. Like I massively appreciate you want to take care of me. And then insert the words, but I must do this because dot, dot, dot. And then you just want to go off on a rant on why must you absolutely do this? And now anytime that fear pops back into your head later on, you just go back to this of, oh, That's just my mind trying to protect me. Thank you so much for trying to protect me and keep me safe in this world, but I must do this. And then you build those empowering reasons that get you to take the action. So I'd say those are a couple of things people can do to kind of get past that fear. 
Yeah, I like the acknowledgement part that you just talked about, because a lot of times when we have emotions that are uncomfortable, we'll try to hide from them and try to pretend that they're not there. But by ignoring them, you actually make them worse. So saying thank you, like there's a meditation that I like where I, I can't remember if it's Joseph Goldstein, but you actually like notice these emotions come up while you're doing this meditation and like say a fearful thought comes in and you actually say welcome to the party and then like another one comes you know welcome to the party so instead of like pretending it's not this like crazy thing hiding in the corner you just look at it straight on that's really cool love that that's awesome yeah so what about coronavirus because you mentioned you travel 340 days a year it sounds like that traveling bug that you got has been something manifested into your life regularly But for coronavirus events, how do you create this stickiness and connection without being physically in person? Because I know a lot of us are really missing being in person with other people. A lot of people listening to this podcast, they love bike racing, bike events, and they just aren't with their community. So how do you build that connection online? One thing that I've noticed, and it's really interesting, like I'm I'm in the business with Tony of live events, right? Before corona happened, every single day. I'm doing live events. I'm going into companies. I'm speaking, having all that live interaction. Then I'm doing stuff with Tony where we're having 10,000 people come and they're having these events. You're engaging with the humans. Now, when Corona came, we as a business had to pivot and look at how can we still create this connection? And Tony, right? what he's done is he's built this like fully immersive virtual stadium where we now create human connection. And that was one place I saw it. another place. And this is actually with a woman I know in the music industry, her name's Blondish. When they got into Corona, same thing happened with her, right? They're in music, like they do concerts, festivals, like tens, thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people. And all of a sudden the world goes, nope, this isn't going to happen anymore. And so what she did is she, again, pivoted and she looked at how can we still create human connection even with this Corona? And so what she did now is they've created this online streaming platform where they can literally bring people together from all over the world. And one of the most incredible things that I've seen in both of these places is the audience has grown, right? Because look at, let's say we want to be part of a biking race. We want to be part of a biking community. Well, you are confined to the, I don't want to say the state lines because some people will travel from other places, but you're confined to a limited group of people that are close to the location or that want to travel to the location. Now, if you can start to pivot that and some and find some way that you can create this community online, now your audience is people that mountain bike literally all over the entire world, right? And one thing that Tony always teaches me and, and that I always remember is he says, crisis creates breakthrough, right? So if you're in this place of this corona destroyed our community, it's taken all these parts down, we can't do things the same. You want to start to shift your brain and go, life's happening for me. Life's not happening to me, right? And how can we create a new community, right? What are ways we can get resourceful? It's never a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. And you just want to start to maybe get together with some other minds in the industry and ideate on what are other ways you can do this. And then it goes back into what we were saying before is you want to test, fail, test, fail, test, fail, right? Like test, pivot, try something, pivot, fail, pivot. And you just go through this process. And as you continue to go through that, you're going to learn more on what is most effective. But I would say you got to just get ultimately out of the mind that because of this corona, we still can't create a community and know that if someone else out there has done it and they have, that you can absolutely create it for the same industry that you're in. Yeah. So 
This also makes me think about achievement because with events or racing or going places, like a lot of times people are trying to achieve something. They set a goal, they work hard for it. And now this thing that this event that they were going to go in person to is no longer there or like a lot of professional cyclists, like we weren't sure, like the race season just kept getting pushed out and pushed out and pushed out. And this one person, she got selected for Worlds this year and World Championships for mountain biking is happening, but it's in Europe, but she's choosing not to go. And she said, I just decided, like, I've been striving for this thing. I just canceled my entire season because that's the best thing for me. I'm canceling it because I I can't do that. Because of the virus. Because of the virus, because of the travel. But she still had to find a way to feel like she was achieving something. So, like, for the achievers out there who maybe don't have an end goal or set thing that they're going for, how can they still feel good about their achievement of the things that they are doing on a daily basis? I would say one incredible thing that's happened with coronavirus is that we have been forced to look for new ways to operate, right? Or new ways to add value. So like, let's say we have a table and if people are listening to this, visualize a little bit, but let's say you have a table and your table has one leg, right? The table is your business, your platform, whatever you do, you have one leg. Let's say with mountain biking, it's your races, right? That's where you achieve. That's where you accomplish. That's where you get fulfillment. That's where you connect all of these things. Now, if that leg is taken out, your table is going to fall over. So what's happened with Corona is we've sort of been put in a place that now we are forced to either build new legs for ways to add value to the people around us, right? Whether we're in a business aspect or if we're an achiever to find other ways to achieve, because even the truth of the reality is with mountain biking and totally say I'm wrong if this is incorrect, but at some point in your career, physically, you're not going to be able to do it anymore, right? Like one of the greatest things Kobe said that ever happened to him when he was going through his career is when he tore his Achilles, he got to actually ask himself, what if this was the end of my career? What would my next chapter look like? And we all know that the next chapter of Kobe's life and RIP to Kobe was great. It would have been phenomenal with what he was doing with children's books, with you know, writing, all of these things. But it's because when he tore his Achilles, he didn't go all crap. What the heck am I going to do? He goes, he went, well, eventually basketball will come back. I'll heal, right? Eventually mountain biking will come back. You'll heal. But what can you do in this time to look at what am I going to do after, right? And use this time to go, maybe I want to build a community of people that are mountain biking from all over the world. Maybe I want to create a podcast. Maybe I've been talking about doing that. And now I finally actually have the time to do it because I'm not mountain biking and going to these tournaments and traveling for that. Maybe I wanted to write a book. Maybe I've always wanted to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Like take this time to realize, yes, mountain biking will come back and keep practicing, keep that muscle strong so that when it does come back, you're ready, but use this time to ultimately look at, well, what are other ways that I can achieve? What are other ways I can add value to people? What are other ways that I can create fulfillment? And then now when mountain biking comes back, now you have two legs under your table, maybe even more, depending on how creative you get with this time. But I would say it's really looking at it in that way and going, wow, what an incredible opportunity for me right now to find other ways to grow as a human, to achieve in your life. Yeah, I think that adding some color and some dimension to identity is something that a lot of us don't think about. Like a lot of people love like their hobbies and they're like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And what would happen if that got taken away? 
And then finding other ways that you can express yourself that you feel good that if you can't do that thing, like you just said, will still add value to you and still make you feel like you're yourself. And that's like a really big statement, feeling like you're yourself because yeah. knowing who we are is, is it's a moving target, really. But yeah, I, I like that. Just trying right, to right. add in things so that you can celebrate things that you, quote, achieved I'm using air quotes, people. Uh, actually, a guy, um, a listener, shout out to Ricardo. He actually said, what does that mean whenever you say quote? Because I don't think his yeah. first language is English. But yeah, so whenever I quote, it's like an expression. But so, yeah, like figuring that out. Yeah. And one thing I would say that has been tremendously powerful that I've applied that other people I've worked with have applied throughout Corona is, and this is one of the things Tony teaches, is you want to understand that at every moment in your life, you're making three decisions. Every single moment of your life, most of the time, it's unconsciously. Now, the three decisions you're making is, number one, what are you focusing on? Number two, what's the meaning you're giving it? And number three, what's the action that results from that? So like, let's say we look at two people. They're in the mountain biking space. What, what they focus on is races are no longer here. Mountain biking is changing, right? They're both focusing on that. Now, the meaning they give it, one person goes, oh, my career's ruined. This is horrible. Another person focuses on Hmm, there may be an opportunity here. The action they take obviously are going to be extremely different. So an exercise that I would encourage people to dive into is wherever you're listening to this, if you have a pen and a paper or you have a notepad on your like phone notes or whatever, write down what is the most stressful thought that's popped up in your head over the last, let's say, 30 days because of this pandemic, right? For some people, it may be their mountain biking career. For some people, it may be their career career. For some people, it may be now they're teaching their kids at home and it's stressful. There's so many things, right? So you want to write down what's the number one most stressful thought that showed up in your life. So take a second to write that down. Maybe pause the audio, write that down. And then the, after that, what you want to write down is this one sentence, which is Corona is the best thing that ever happened to blank and then fill in that area of your life. Now, to go even deeper into this, if you want to go into like a five, 10 minute writing exercise, you want to write down after that another sentence that says, what must happen for this to be true, right? What must happen for this to be the best thing that's ever happened to your mountain biking career? And then all I would encourage you to do is for five minutes minimum, like put a timer on your phone, just write, write, write. Don't let your pen leave the paper. Just absolutely dump out what's ever in your mind. And you're going to realize that some of the things you come out with you weren't even thinking about, but because of this exercise, you take a different perspective. You focus on a different thing, you give a different meaning. Ultimately, it'll result in a different action. So I would say that's a little bit more of like a practical thing someone can do that's maybe, you know, still really caught up in the in the heat of this has affected my life in a big way and I can't seem to come around with a positive. This going through this exercise can help you really pull that out of yourself. That's such a great exercise and you can apply that at any time in your life to anything that you're doing. So thanks so Truly. much for, for sharing that. Absolutely. So something that you really like talking about is communication, how to be a good communicator, how to create <laughs> connection. For some people, it seems that they're kind of these like sticky connector, like charismatic, outgoing people. And not everybody's like that. So how do we actually create connection? Can you give some tips that people can start doing if they're like, gosh, I just I just really want to feel more connected to people? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing, because like within my own story, I grew up and like most people nowadays might not believe it. 
because I have changed my life a whole bunch over the last several years. Um, as I grew up as like the shy, more introverted, kind of quiet person, like I wasn't outspoken. I was more soft-spoken. I was never going to have a conversation with a stranger. Now I have a podcast where all I do is have conversations <laughs> with strangers. But one thing happened to me in my life, and I think this is a massive starting place for people that are in that space of, well, I don't know if I can create that, right? Like some people are born with it. Some people aren't. Now I had an experience in my life. I had a mentor and he was the most incredible communicator I have ever seen in my life. Like we would go to an event together, um, like a conference and someone would walk up to him and his name was Jed and they would go, Oh my God, Jed, like, it's so good to see you. I love you. I missed you. And they'd like give him a big hug. And then they would walk away eventually. And I would be like the first person I was like, Oh, it's probably like his cousin or something. Like they're really <laughs> happy to see him. And then three minutes later, it happens again. And I'm like, oh, maybe like another person he was close with. And then it literally happened like 10 times. And I was like, I was like, I need to like study him because whatever he's doing, like that's incredible that he can create that type of a connection with people. And what happened to me in that moment massively changed my life is I realized for the first time in my life that there was nothing he was born with that I wasn't born with. Like the doctor, when the baby was born, the doctor didn't take babies and like hold them up to his ear and go, oh, this one's going to be an incredible communicator and connector and just be a really good people's person and then pick up the next one and go, oh, well, this baby's actually going to be more shy, introverted and quiet. Like that never happened, right? That never happened. And so for the first time in my brain, it clicked that if someone else has these skills, then I can learn these skills in my life, right? And it was a massive shift. So I became obsessed with this area of communicating with people, networking with people, building true human connection with people. And I would say, I mean, we could go down a deep hole with this, but I would say one of the truest way to create connection with people and for people that are, let's say, in the mountain biking space, the reason you create such good connection with people in that space is because you have a common ground of interest. And so this kind of breaks communication down to like very basics, but this is what changed my life because I honestly went through life and I was like, I don't know how people communicate with each other. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what do they talk about? Like, what? I just could not fathom it. I was like, what, like, what do you talk about? I just don't get it. And someone taught me this acronym form F O R M. And in short, it stands for family slash from occupation, recreation, and motivation. And basically what it is, is it's a, it's a foundational building block for communication. And so when you're talking to people, right? This is a way that you can communicate with them, right? This has massively helped me because I didn't know what to talk to humans about. So you start with, oh, hey, where are you from? Right? Like it's super basic. What do you do for work? What's your occupation? Recreation, what do you do for fun? Motivation, what are your dreams, goals, aspirations? Now, the way that you really build connection, and you can do this with form or you can do this with something else, is finding that common ground of interest. And I'll give a quick example is let's say, for example, you are in hypothetically, let's say another country, and you're going throughout this country, you're doing whatever you're doing, and you meet someone and they are from the same town that you grew up in. Now, as soon as you meet them, you're like, oh my God, like you're from this town, I'm from this town, like, oh my God, like your walls come down, you feel like they're the, your best friend, you could tell them your deepest, darkest secrets, and you've literally known them for 60 seconds, but it's because you built that common ground of interest that now you go, oh, they're like me, so they're safe. I can be open to them. And then that's how you create true human connection. So, I mean, again, we could go down a deep rabbit hole with this, but I would say the biggest thing in creating connection 
is people's favorite subject is themselves. And if people know that someone is like themselves, they're innately going to like you more because their favorite thing is themselves. And that allows you to get into this place of creating true human connections. So I would say in a short, that's a couple of ways that you could deepen your connections with people. Now I'm going to ask a harder question. <laughs> yeah. What about connecting with people who aren't like you? And like, there's a big discussion right now about Black Lives Matter movement and creating diversity. And I agree that we should look for a common connection with every single person we meet, no matter what their religion or their skin color or, you know, where they're from. But there's a lot of times where it's really difficult to find or like the political climate, like finding a common connection with somebody that you fundamentally have some differences or maybe even difference in values with or from. What advice do you have on building connection there? I think it depends what type of connection you want to create. Like if you are trying to create a connection to just build a relationship with someone, whether they're a different race, whether they're a different political background, there's still something you can find a connection with. Like one of the biggest examples that I sort of look to is I forget, it was maybe six months to a year ago, there was this picture that went, I don't know, viral, maybe it went viral, but it was of Ellen DeGeneres. And she was at some football game with like George W. Bush. And all these people were like, how do you sit next to him? Like he's completely different side. Like, how can you even associate and have a conversation with him? And she was like, just because we're different political backgrounds doesn't mean that we can't still have genuine conversations about things. Right. And the thing that I kind of take from that is like whether someone disagrees with your political backgrounds, whether someone disagrees with your different races, right? Like I'm white. I'm never, never, I will never fully understand what it's like to be black and like black lives matter. And all like, I will never understand that because of the color of my skin. I never will, but I can gain perspective from getting educated. I can get perspective from having conversations with friends, right? I can get perspective from just becoming educated on maybe what that's like for someone else. So there's, there's that one way of creating connection is just learning more and getting educated. And then I would say if it's just to create a relationship, even if you disagree, let's say I'm political and that's like, could be massively depolarizing. Maybe that person loves football and you love football, right? So you can bond over that. But I would say, you know, again, it depends which way you're going to go. If it's just for relationship, look past that and that may be difficult for you. And that's a choice you make. If you don't, if you say, nope, they disagree politically, I don't want to associate with them. That's a decision you make. But if you say, I don't agree with them politically, but I would still love to build a relationship with them. Look for other ways you can create that. And then if it's going just to understand, I would say that's just where it comes to like educating, getting perspective so that you can understand what other people's point of views are. Yeah, like we're all human beings underneath all of totally. it, all the confusion or the things that make life complicated with our big prefrontal cortex in our brains. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, even if you don't want a relationship or be friends with somebody, like just recognizing the humanity in somebody, like that's something that I've really worked on practicing is like looking someone in the eyes and just smiling at them, even if I don't agree with anything that they stand for, just recognizing the humanity in them. And that seems to help for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like someone once told me, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but it's like having anger towards someone or holding a grudge towards someone. It's like swallowing a poison pill and expecting someone else to die. Yeah. Right. And it's like, if you're so angry at this person because of their different views in life on whatever it is, it's you swallowing that poison pill, expecting something to happen to them when the reality is like, yeah, it may suck that you have these different views. And that's not something that brings 
any positivity or any joy into your life. But what if you looked past that and you looked at what connection, what love, what incredible things can I create still from having a relationship with this person if we were to look past that? Like you got to look on the side of love rather than the side of anger and hate. Like that's not going to bring anything valuable to your life other than just walking around you know, angry, pissed off, swallowing this poison pill, expecting something to happen to all these other people that view life differently than you. Now I'm going to ask you a personal question, which is a little bit of a right turn from where we just were. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, it's about imposter syndrome. So like you go in as a Tony Robbins national level trainer and you talk with like Fortune 500 companies and like really successful people and you're in your 20s. So like, have you gone through like this, this mental thing of like all these like older quote, you know, successful people who have been doing all these things. They're going to look at me as like a kid just coming in here and telling them, (laughs) cause like you're incredibly articulate. You have a lot of life experience. You have amazing coaching ability and really great examples that help people take action. You know that, but if somebody just looks at you and we talked about judgment earlier, looking at the piece of pizza. Like, how do you overcome, number one, how do you overcome the imposter syndrome that you may, maybe I'm projecting, but may or may not have had? And number two, how do you help people get over the judgment piece that they might have when looking at you saying, look at this younger guy coming to tell me about life? Yeah, Uh, that's a great question. And I think it starts with a perspective shift. And I'll share a story and maybe this will help people. But I have a good friend of mine. He's also a national trainer with Tony Robbins. And when he got into the role, he started off before working with Tony, he was a teacher. And then eventually he got involved in Tony's work. He went to a seminar and he was like, holy crap, Tony's profound. I need to work with Tony. And so he went through the whole process of becoming a trainer for Tony. And he kind of throughout that went through this process of like, I believe he was, he was probably 27 at the time. He's probably around my age when he started working with Tony. And he went through all this thoughts of, well, I'm too young, right? Who the heck's going to listen to me? Or And and there's so many other things that people can say, right? Whether it's, well, I'm not educated enough or I'm not smart enough or all these things. And what you want to start to look at is let's say, for example, you go through something and you go, well, I'm too young, right? One, you need to understand that is a belief that you have. Now, the definition of a belief, actual definition, a belief is a feeling of absolute certainty that you have about something. So it's a feeling of certainty that you have about something. It doesn't mean it's true, right? So first we need to look at that, right? This belief of me being too young, it is a belief of certainty that I have about something. It doesn't mean it's true, right? So a couple of things you could look at as one, is there someone else that has done it that's your age, right? Maybe for some people they need social proof. So you look at, is there someone else that's done this at this age? It's like the story of Roger Bannister. He ran the four-minute mile. Then all these people started doing it, right? So maybe that's for some people you look at that. Now, another thing you could look at is the inverse. So if I go around my entire life thinking I'm too young, I'm too young to coach people, I'm too young to give this advice, eventually I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to be too what? Old. I'm going to be too old, (laughs) right? What you want to start to look at is I am young. This is incredible right? You look at it as a strength, right? Oh, I'm young. Oh, you, I have what everybody wants. I got energy, right? I have this young outlook on life. I have this new, fresh perspective. And you want to start looking at, and for some people, maybe you go into this rabbit hole of what are all the positive things that come from this, right? Maybe you go, oh, well, I'm not educated enough, 
right? Well, if you always go through life not being educated enough, eventually one day, maybe you're going to be, oh, well, now I just am overeducated, right? I don't know if it quite happens that same way with education. But the thing that I would say for people that are maybe in this place of, I'm too young, I'm too this, I'm in this imposter syndrome or whatever, is sometimes as humans, we look for the perfect way for something to go, right? Especially as achievers. We're like, well, I'm just not quite perfect yet, right? Another word for procrastination is perfect, right? It's the achiever's word for procrastination. We're like, oh, well, it's just not perfect enough, so I just won't put out the book. Or it's not perfect, I won't enter the race yet because I don't have the, the line down perfectly, right? It's just another way we say that. So something I was taught years ago that massively shifted my life is my mentor, he told me, he said, Stu, a shitty plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow because tomorrow doesn't exist. And so you want to start to look at, well, what would your crappy plan look like? What would your shitty plan look like? And what's one or two steps you can take to start executing on that? Because ultimately, a crappy plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow because tomorrow doesn't exist. So I would just say with imposter syndrome and getting over some of these limiting beliefs, it's looking at number one, is this actually true? Right. And more than not, it's probably not true. Right. It's probably a belief. Is there someone else out there that's done it? If there is, then you can do it. And then it's looking at what's the inverse of that. Right. Maybe it's a strength that now you go out and people are like, like there's some people out there that are 20 years old that are life coaches and people are like, oh my God, like you're so curious at 20. You're such a, you're so driven, so motivated at 20. And boom, they've just turned it into a strength. Yeah. I think that people always say, oh, like, I'm too young or I'm too old or like, I'm too this. And there's never going to be a perfect time to start something. Ever. And there's always going to be a million reasons why you maybe shouldn't start something or you think you shouldn't start something. And this is something that I've had to learn the hard way is always searching for enoughness. Oh, I'm going to be enough if I achieve this. If I become world champion, then I'm going to feel like I, I'm enough. If I, yeah. you know, searching for enoughness in, in achievement and others. And I got news for you, everybody. You're never going to, it's never going to work. Like searching for enoughness and achievement is false. And even with imposter syndrome, oh, I'm going to be taken seriously and people are going to listen to me when I'm enough, whenever I've talked to this many people or I'm this age. So chasing that feeling of enoughness is human. It's the human condition. And I don't think it's something you can ever truly get away from. But bringing awareness to that enoughness feeling and, and what are the reasons you're doing these things and what are the things that you're saying that it's getting in your own way, just like you said, is and being brave enough to look at that inner narrative, it, like that's also something that's really, really important. Yeah. And two things like Tony, he's studied people for 43 years and he's ultimately come down to the realization that as humans, our two deepest fears as a human is that one, that we're not enough. And if we're not enough, that we ultimately won't be loved, right? And so what you want to start to do, like I love the way you said it, is build awareness around that. Like that's the mind that's trying to take advantage of you, right? We always say with our work, if you're in your head, you're dead. So it's growing awareness around the reality that everyone has those thoughts, that they're not enough. If they're not enough, they're not going to be loved. Everyone has those thoughts. And you got to ask yourself, like you said, like when you get somewhere, it's not that all of a sudden you're going to feel enough. Right. Like there's so many successful people out there that go, oh, when I get this championship or when I get this title, then I'm going to be happy. And what you want to ask yourself is, well, when you get that title, when you get that championship or when you achieve whatever it is you want to achieving, 
who's the person that determines that you're happy at that point? And it's you. You're the person ultimately at that point that goes, okay, I achieved this. Now I get to be happy. And if you study people, you realize people achieve something. And if they're lucky, maybe you spend a month like, yeah, that was awesome. Most people spend 30 minutes, maybe three days, right? They're like, yes, I'm the champion. I did it. What's next, right? So you want to understand that getting to this point isn't what's going to make you happy. You're the person that ultimately determines when you're going to be happy or when you're going to feel like enough. So why not make that decision today, right? Why not be like, okay, today I'll be happy. And then as I go throughout this process, I'm just going to be happily achieving rather than achieving to be happy. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. Um, Let's talk about Finding Direction University really quick. Yeah, absolutely. So Finding Direction University, it's basically a platform where we bring people in and we help them go from the space of not knowing what they want to do with their life to knowing exactly what they want to do with their life and also having the tools, the resources and doing what they want to do. We take them through this six-week process. There's a lot of coaching we do with them. And for me, it's just a really important work to do because personally in my life, I've been in that place of feeling lost, stuck, confused, having no idea why I felt like I was on this world. And over the course of, I don't know what it was, four years, I went through this process of figuring out why I actually felt like I was here. And so now, you know, we help people go through that same process. And uh, it's, yeah, I feel lucky to be able to help people go from that place of stuck to just really living a life that they're passionate and fulfilled about. Great. And where can people find you? Yeah. So the best place for people to find me, I would just say is on social media. My social media is Stu Mastengill. It's S-T-U-M-A-S-S-E-N-G-I-L-L. And that's kind of where, you know, everything populates from. So yeah, find me on Instagram. I would love to connect. If you have any questions, shoot me a DM and definitely happy to support. Awesome. Well, this was such a great conversation. Lots of really important nuggets and people should probably listen to this more than once because there's a lot to digest. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And thank you again so much, Sonia, for having me on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the show, you guys. I am so thankful that you are coming back to the show every week and listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And we are also on Spotify if you prefer to listen to podcasts on Spotify. It's really cool to get emails from you with your suggestions and also just telling me which episodes that you enjoyed. It also really helps if you share the show with your friends on your Instagram stories and just tag myself and the guests. And we love, love, love to see that the show is helping you guys. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm with you on this journey of growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day.